Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Our Soul. Um, We are back this week with another episode of Abortion Stories. Um, If you tuned in last week, uh, you know that this is a part of a two-part series of celebrating Roe. Um, the the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade was last Saturday, um, and we think that it's most important to hear people's stories. So today, um, we have Kier and Chrissy with us. If you guys want to just introduce yourselves real quick, um, we would love to get to know you. Okay. Um, my name is Kier, and I am a mom. I have three children. Um, I work full-time, go to school, um, advocate for, you know, women's reproductive choices and abortion rights, as well as um, minority rights. And I'm also, you know, advocate for like the death penalty, against the death penalty, things like that, um, prison reform. Um, So I like to get out there and just change the world. Um, I most of my time is spent momming right now so I have a couple teenagers so that takes up a lot of time a lot of energy and um just uh not too much else to to say awesome and momming is very important (laughs) (laughs) um Chrissy if you could introduce yourself yeah I'm Chrissy and my pronouns are she her I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I am also a mom. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and spend a lot of time momming um, (laughs) and not sleeping. (laughs) Um, I do a lot of volunteer work um, at my kids' schools and around the community. Um, I am a former librarian, and I love uh, spending my precious free time reading or um, also just being outside in nature. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. It's great to just like get to know you guys a little bit more before diving into hearing your story. And we just want this to be a space where, you know, however you want to tell your story and whatever stands out most to you, uh, feel free to use this space as you will. Um, we are here to listen to you, and um, we're just really excited to to hear. So, uh, Kier, if you would like to start, um, we are here to listen. Sure. So, um, my first abortion story is actually about the abortion that I was not able to have. Um, being underage when I um, got pregnant, I was 17. So into my senior year of high school, just starting um, straight A student, you know, on my way to college, that was the plan, scholarships, things like that. Um, But I didn't know that um, once I was pregnant, I wouldn't be able to make that choice to have an abortion without parental consent, which my parents did not give. Um, So my oldest child is my child that I had before I graduated high school. She was at my high school graduation. Um, And it just, you know, brings to light that there's so much involved when 
you're forced into parenting um, so much trauma and so much rage for the life that you didn't get to have and you know coupled with having to parent a child and show that child love and um, you know bring them up when you don't really have the tools um, the maturity the material support to do it is just you know beyond anything that I would ever wish you know on anyone and um, you grow up together um, but you also you know struggle together and there is so many things that you wish that they didn't have to go through with you um, homelessness hunger um, you know just lack of family support a lot of isolation um, and your your own you know depression your own mental you know issues that you're trying to deal with from being put in the situation and all doing that while you're you're mothering so it's like you're momming but you're also trying to mother yourself and um, your child misses out on so much because you're a child you know and so you know you have to um, balance so many things that you eventually end up dropping some of the major ones and um, you know, when my daughter got older, yes, I did end up, you know, having to have abortion simply because of not being able to care for her. It would have been terribly unfair to bring another child in a situation that I would have been less prepared for and, and, and less available for her. And um, abortion, a lot of times is a choice. It's a, it's a labor of love because you, you don't want to bring your child into a situation where they're not going to be loved and supported and taken care of properly. So you, you're making that choice to save them from that trauma that you know is ahead and taking that choice away is so unfair to both the parent and the child. And, um, I don't think a lot of people can see that. Yeah. And that, I think that that is something that you're, I mean, you're right. A lot of people don't see the ways that abortion is, is a part of that, that labor of love and caring for the children that you already have and, um, want to support. And wanting better for the children that, you know, you are possibly going to have like if you know the situation isn't right and you don't have what it takes to raise them properly it's it, it's horrible to to bring them into a world that you know what's ahead and it's you know that that guilt is just something that always hangs over top of your head as a you know as a parent if you have to do that I just want to thank you you know care uh, the ability to share that story, I I think a lot of people think about abortion stories as, you know, what happened, what was the experience, how was this, you know, process for you, as opposed to this is the abortion I didn't get to have, and this is this is the story that came from that. I I think it's so powerful for us to understand that there are no binaries. Uh, in in reproductive health care choices that choices beget choices beget choices and when we limit those choices at the beginning 
we drastically change what outcomes are available. And and your story is just so powerful in, in showing that, you know, you had choices that you got to make later when you weren't able to make choices that you wanted to make earlier. And I, I, for me as a pastor, I, I find that just so dramatically powerful because it communicates to people that every day is a choice. You know, re- reproductive health rights and justice, your, your abortion choice is not a single choice. It's not a moment. It is having access to choice your whole life. Your, your whole uh, existence and to have a mama's heart in the midst of all of that, um, it, it's just powerful and it moves me. It really does. And just to reiterate, yeah, thank you for, for telling your, your story and especially to talk about, you know, the process of, you know, momming your child, but also mothering yourself and and the uh the emotion that that comes with that having to do both at the same time um and all of the juggling in between that um i i just think that's really important and i'm glad that you uh were able to tell your story and feel comfortable telling that story so thank you thank you um chrissy would you would you like to tell your story? Yeah, um, so I had an abortion when I was in my later 20s, and I was living in Brooklyn, New York at the time. I was deep in my Saturn return, trying to find myself and figure out which direction to go in. Um, and I had just ended a long-term relationship and unexpectedly became pregnant. And um, I knew that I wanted children someday, but that I wasn't ready at that point in my life. I wasn't financially stable or emotionally stable. Um, and it, it was a really privileged experience. I was able to call Planned Parenthood and make an appointment for a couple of weeks later. Um, I was able to take paid time off of work and I had city health insurance that covered the uh, medication abortion. So I ended up paying a $15 copay, which, you know, I mean, considering what people pay in Ohio, um, it, I, it was, I was really lucky. Um, and I took the um, Miffy Pristone in the office and went home and took the uh, Misoprostol the next day and had what felt like a heavy period and watched some movies and moved on with my life. Um, and it was probably one of the safest, most accessible procedures that I've had in like all of my reproductive health care history. Um, and if that's where my story ended, I probably wouldn't be here right now talking to you all. Um, but about eight years later, I um, was back in Ohio and um, was pregnant with my second child. Um, 
and I inadvertently found um, a doctor who was anti-choice and he is the volunteer medical director of a chain of crisis pregnancy centers here in central Ohio. And um, I didn't know that when I started going to him and I, on my medical history, I've just put down that I had had an abortion and um, I didn't think twice about it. I, I, I've never really lied on those forms. I don't know. I thought maybe it would be relevant to something. Um, but I, I ended up going to this provider because he um, offered uh, vaginal birth after C-section. And my first daughter, my first child, she was born um, at 28 weeks. And it was a really traumatic um, experience for both of us. Um, she was in distress and I had preeclampsia and had to be um, put under anesthesia and um, she was in the NICU for a really long time and it was, it was scary, traumatic and um, I didn't want that for my second child. I wanted to be like fully present and awake and um, try everything that I could to have a vaginal birth. Um, and, and so I was excited when I found a provider that, that offered that. Um, but along the way, throughout my appointments, there were some little like red flags, um, some unsolicited commentary about my medical history. Um, and then um, at an early ultrasound, I had, um, there were some indicators of a chromosomal anomaly. And um, the doctor really brushed it off and um, didn't, address any of my concerns, um, discouraged getting any kind of like genetic counseling. Um, and, um, I didn't know what to do. So we just kind of kept going. I was asking questions, but not really getting any answers. Um, and then I, after several red flags at the office, I ended up looking on their website and saw like buried in their mission statement that they were, uh, quote, pro-life practice. Um, I felt betrayed and confused and like overwhelmed. I was much further along in the pregnancy at that point. Um, and so I, I ended up staying um, with the provider and um, about a month before the reason-based ban um, that does not allow you to have an abortion if you have a Down syndrome diagnosis. Uh, my son was born with Down syndrome, and um, he he is the light of my life. He's amazing and taught me so much about acceptance and patience and kindness. Um, but I had a lot to process um, postpartum as he was he was also in the NICU and just. Um, that confusion that I felt, um, I felt like information was withheld from me because I had had an abortion and, um, this doctor was judging me based on that. Um, and I also felt like if maybe if I had had a, a prenatal diagnosis, he might have received better care at birth. He had a lot of hard, hard time uh, transitioning from the womb. Um, and you know, 
that that ban it, it doesn't do anything to help people with down syndrome it doesn't provide inclusive equitable supportive communities it's not giving me the resources that i need to help raise him um and it just um you know it's just a, another way to restrict bodily autonomy and and it creates stigma and um it's taken me a long time to kind of process all of that um, and, and also kind of like not having a choice. Um, but I, the, the Patients to Advocates programs really have kind of helped me heal from, from that. And so I'm grateful for that experience. And, um, and I'll keep advocating for him and for his, you know, inclusion in society and for his rights. and at the same time for abortion rights, you know. Yeah, thank you <clears throat> for for telling your story and talking about the, the, the misinformation. This was something that came up a lot in our last uh, podcast, was talking about CBCs and the misinformation that goes into that. And it is aggravating <laughs> to hear that continue into um, your story and so I am so sorry that that happened to you um, and that is just <laughs> it is wrong of a medical professional to to betray your trust by not you know making it a space where you're not sure if you're like getting the full picture because they have some bias against you know something that you chose for yourself um, but thank you for telling your story, and I, th I think more people need to know about that, or else, you know, they just go by un unnoticed and unchecked. Yeah. Okay, so I I have three points that I, I want to celebrate and lift up. I know a pastor, I, it's not going to be a three-point sermon, trust me, but, like, I... Your description around getting accurate medical information um, is, is so profound, and it's at the heart of absolutely every parent's journey when you're in a place where you may be having to consider, you know, TFMR, the, the termination for medical reasons. We, we Everything's an acronym in REPRO, right? Um, but... It, at the point at which you are able to get lots of accurate information about your pregnancy, the only time that you can actually make the informed consent decision is when you're not being lied to. And even the idea that a provider might be restricting information from you is enough to just poison that process. And I, your story, Chrissy, is just so powerful in that you had to struggle between, okay, this is a provider who offers a lot of things that I, that I like and that I need, and at the same time has this really cringy like agenda, and to not know, right? Are, are they manipulating this? Are they not manipulating this, but just stigmatizing me? Like, what's going on? That is... That is so 100% what folk don't need in their life. And I'm so sorry that happened. Uh, second, second piece is 
I want your description of uh, medication abortion. Like, I, I'm going to take that and edit it out, and that is going to be what I play for every single person who asks me, what's medication abortion like? Isn't it scary? Isn't it, you know, uh, dangerous? Isn't it, like, your description is just spot on. It's it's where it, literally every person that I have journeyed with um, has that experience, and you articulated it so well that it was it was this affirming, you know, experience of yeah mifepristone the misoprostol and a heavy period watch some movies like you know it it was not anything like what cpcs try to lie to patients and scare them about right and that that just that made me cheer in my seat um last thing and this this is kind of kind of segueing us a little bit i had no idea what the details of of your stories both you know Chrissy you and Kier what your stories were before coming in here today and I feel like um, in religious circles we like to blame whatever like our particular religious um, idea of God is for things coming together right like I'm Christian so I blame Jesus for everything you know people who are into astrology they blame the stars like it's you know we're in retrograde or whatever. <laughs> whatever it is you blame for all the stuff that happens that you see good in the world I'm going to blame today and I think you ought to blame because your stories are just so so intimately woven together around the conversation of consent and not fitting in the boxes, right? Like you are fully in charge of how you have responded to situations where you were stripped of information or agency. And that's powerful to me. Like what, you know, whether it's parental consent or a doctor not, necessarily being transparent with you about what's going on and you both have have lived through this process in a way that not only have you survived you are thriving in the life that you lead and that you live right now and that's what reproductive freedom is all about not just not just surviving but thriving right thriving despite other people's foolishness and, you know, CPCs lying to people and, you know, parental consent laws standing in the way of people, you know, getting access. Um, it's, it just, it fills me with hope and, and vigor because you, you are both just tremendously strong folk who are really in the center of where people's experiences are. Like, I, I just know that people are going to listen to this and say, I know exactly how she felt. I know exactly how they felt, you know? They've been there. <clears throat> and I think both of you uplift um, <clears throat> parts of abortion stories that I don't think get told as often. You know, um, the, again, like, I, uh, am trying not to be as emotional as I was last week because I was like straight up just like crying um, and I don't like I'm, anyway um, but Kier when you were talking about like mothering yourself and, and having to do that at the same time and having to um, balance like your own mental health while keeping it together for your child that you didn't get to have the decision 
um, about that. And then all of the mixed feelings that come around that, I'm sure. Um, I, I feel like, you know, that needs to be talked about more and, and all of that that comes with parenting and why it, you know, you should be able to choose when you're ready and when you have the capacity to have children. It's a big decision. Um, and so, like, truly, like, thank you for, for telling that. And, and Chrissy, to, to hear about after having an abortion and having this really safe uh, process um, and, and feeling like you made this good choice and then having it come back and, you know, take away your ability to consent in the future. And, and that is not to say, like, that, you know, who, it, your choice could have remained the same, but the fact that you were not able to, you know, make decisions about, um, your child's healthcare, you know, coming, like, right after, um, and all of that, it's very harmful, and that is, like, completely taking away the trust that should be in a medical space, um, and, like, like, reproductive health rights and justice is not just about, you know, you should be able to have an abortion, but, like, you should be able to, you know, uh, the, oh gosh, you'd think I have this completely memorized from Sister Song, but it's, like, uh, being able to have your children in sustaining communities, like, thriving in sustaining communities. I know that's, like, one portion of it. Um, you could choose whether or not to have children and to have those children in thriving communities, and... Um, I feel like the, the, because you chose abortion once, <laughs> this medical professional decided that you didn't, you didn't get to make other choices because, oh, what if you, you know, made that decision again and then, I don't know. But either way, I'm like rambling at this point. Um, just, I think that both of these stories are just very powerful and, um, just thank you for for telling them because I don't I think it's an opportunity for people to hear what they may not hear on a regular basis and definitely not what the antis want them to hear about people's stories yeah. and the thing that I hate about this podcast the most is that we have such a limited time to spend with you because I I would just spend the whole day with both of you um, you know, and Kelly makes a party. Uh, in this time, we're going to go ahead and make sure that we put the information about Sister Song's reproductive justice um, definition. We're going to put that in the show notes. We're also going to put in the show notes for anybody who's listening um, information on judicial bypass, which is kind of a difficult thing to get. It's somewhat available to folk. You know, it's an option if parental consent is not there, but um, information on Ohio's weird and funky judicial bypass law, as well as information on self-managed abortion and SMA in good faith. Um, those uh, links and things that are pertinent to what we've discussed here, we're going to drop those in the show notes. Um, Chrissy, Kier, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your stories with us and with all of our listeners. Um, it's just so powerful to hear stories of folk who refuse to allow those systems that have acted against you 
to define you or confine you or restrict your liberation. We are so indebted to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was an honor to thank be you. on here. And if you want to have a bright side of the conversation, my oldest daughter, she's 27. Um, she got a full ride at OSU. She lives alone, no kids. She's independent. She's she's rocking it. Best yes. person I've. Yes. I take no credit there for how she turned out, but she's amazing. So. Yeah. I love it. What a great bright side to end on. Thank you. Until next time, friends. We'll see ya. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.